Hi there. Welcome back to the Real Film Chronicles podcast. As always, I'm Nathan. And I'm Brian. And in this week's very special episode, we're going to be taking a look at a little film called The Black Demon. Ooh, that sounds scary. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> ominous. Oil man Paul Sturgis's idyllic family vacation turns into a nightmare where they encounter a ferocious megalodon shark that will stop at nothing to protect his territory. Stranded and under constant attack, Paul and his family must somehow find a way to get his family back to shore alive before it strikes again in this epic battle between humans and nature. That probably could have been cleaned up a bit, but I'm just reading this straight off letterbox. I think someone could uh, go reword that a little bit better, but you know, <laughs> you need a spell check letterbox. You need some, uh, you need some spell checkers on here. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. What exactly. Is going on? Man, the black demon uh, directed by Adrian Grunberg, who I, if I recall correctly, directed Rambo last blood, Yeah, which I'm not sure if I've seen. There was like a Rambo relaunch years and years ago. Where Rambo tears a guy's throat out, right? That was just Rambo, yeah. Okay, so I have not seen Rambo Last Blood, which is probably a sequel to that one. Yeah, honestly, um, to be completely honest, you're not missing a whole lot. Fair enough. It's It was a solid film. I think I gave it like a two, two and a half out of five. It was, it was okay. And the main star of this, probably one of the main draws to this movie, uh, aside from being a, a, a shark film, is uh, Josh Lucas. Josh Lucas is back. Did he go somewhere? I don't know, but I just haven't seen him. <laughs> I don't recall seeing him in a lot of movies recently. And I just recently watched The Incredible Hulk. So I was pumped. I was like, Josh Lucas oh, is quality yes. goods, man. He always, like, I don't know if he, I don't know what happened with him, whether he just never made it like the kind of leading man status. Cause like he has the talent, he has the charisma, I think. So I was really yeah. stoked to see him in this movie. It was, it was a nice little uh, treat. I'm just scrolling through his list of movies, like in in order of release date, and I'm not seeing too much new stuff, except for well, a few notable ones here. I've actually seen The Forever Purge a few years ago. Okay, um, uh, She Dies Tomorrow, which I think you did watch as well. You recommended that movie too. Wait, he was in She Dies Tomorrow? Like apparently. Oh, I'll have to go back and rewatch that. His character's name in that was Doc, so maybe not in a lot. He was in Ford v Ferrari. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. And aside from that, there's like a huge gap of movies I haven't seen. Now, here's here's the next faded entry because all, all letterbox movies you've seen are typically faded out to tell you, you know, you've seen them at a glance. He was in a movie you and I watched with Nicolas Cage in it, Stolen. Oh, he was in Stolen? <laughs> I have to go back. It's been a couple of years since I've seen that one. I'll have to go back and rewatch it. I assume he was a bad guy in that one. I don't care what you tell me. I'm not rewatching Stolen. I refuse to rewatch that film. The only thing stolen was my precious time. <laughs> but I mean, this guy, this actor, like he has been around a long time. He's done so oh, he many movies. And like, I'm looking at my stats here. I've seen 12 of the 69 entries in here. A lot of those mo- are full movies, but nice. <laughs> um, but like a beautiful mind, he was in session nine. The Hulk, of course. Um, You're not the Incredible Hulk. The Hulk. Did I say the Incredible Hulk? You said the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Can you edit that out? I was watching the Hulk with Josh Lucas. <laughs> no. No. Uh, no. My my MCU, I can't edit out. My my geek cred has just gone down. <laughs> like it's in the it's in the gutters right now. Thanks, Brian. But here's the big before. movie. Here's the one that you should have been saying it was in. He was in American Psycho. All right. He was in. Oh my God! He was in America. He was one of the business dudes there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was. Was he Paul Allen who pulled up like the? No, he wasn't Paul Allen, but he pulled up the business card, and everyone was like, "I was like bone white on," <laughs> and then he's going nuts <laughs> on the card. <laughs> His name in the movie was uh, Craig McDermott. Right, he, but that was the scene, right? The boardroom scene. He yeah, pulls yeah. out the card, and he's like, "Yeah." Patrick Bateman's sweating over this card. Is like, it's <laughs> the tasteful lettering, the subtle coloring, <laughs> the embossing. Oh my God, his card is better than mine. <laughs> Amazing. And one of his earliest movies, and also I think maybe his first movie or second movie, is Alive. You remember that film? Have you, you must Absolutely, have seen that? Absolutely, I remember that yeah. film. I don't remember right. the actors in it because I, 
again, that was that's one I haven't seen in, in several years. I remember watching yeah. that in uh, grade seven or eight the first time. It was one of the movies we watched in class. Where they you watched that butt. in class? Yeah, wow. you, you guys didn't watch alive. You, you guys didn't watch films about cannibalism in class. What, what kind of school <laughs> did you go to? Come on, you know what? <laughs> no, we didn't. I, I was just thinking. Because I remember in the, my final high school year, we we read A Clockwork Orange, but we did not watch A Clockwork Orange in, <laughs> in school. But I think the teacher is just like, yeah, go rent this movie. And I rented this movie, and it was like, that was a trip. But it was also kind of studying the book at the same time. And that's why Brian is the way he is. <laughs> <laughs> it might explain a few things. I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> uh, Black Demon... Um, man, this movie, for some reason, where I saw it was categorized as like a, a, a sci-fi movie. And I think that might have been leading me down the wrong path because this is not a sci-fi movie. Yeah. Also, I saw an ad for this recently in front of a movie I watched, but I can't for the life of me oh, really? remember what it was. So I don't know whether it was when you and I were together and we watched, we were watching movies, but I remember seeing a trailer for this mm. um in the past couple of months so when you brought it up i was like oh yeah of course i was actually on my watch list i wanted to see this oh really yeah so i just assumed that you saw josh lucas was in here got excited and we're like yeah i'm definitely watching this movie well that was the other thing josh lucas who apparently i i've seen him in stuff that i've forgotten about uh now i feel like uh, even more of my my geek cred <laughs> is uh is completely eroded now <laughs> I mean, I, w- I wouldn't swear too much. I mean, like you said, <laughs> you don't have much to erode there. Anyways, I guess. Oh, wow. Nice <laughs> like my wife. <laughs> the, the thing is, like you said, like he's kind of disappeared. Like he has it, he has it. He's, he's not a leading man. He's not always up there. And this is a movie where he gets to be a leading man, right? He's he's up there. He's He's the main star of this film. Yeah. It's great. Also, can we mention the director also, his third movie that he directed, or the first movie he directed of three, Get the Gringo. Yes. I wanted to mention that specifically because out of the three movies he's directed, I actually really loved Get the Gringo. It showed like oh, this really? guy is actually a really, really good filmmaker, and he, the, I think that's the reason why he's been able to get these other films. Um, only, I think he's directed three. This is his third one. He only has three in his filmography here, yeah. But yeah, Get the Gringo was really good. Rambo Last Blood was what it was. And the Black Demon, um, well, we're going to get into that right now. Yeah. Yeah. Get the Gringo stars Mel Gibson in 2012. I don't imagine that was a good time to be Mel Gibson. Yeah. Let me be clear. It's like the movie's great. Mel Gibson's performance is great. But you do have to get past the fact that it's Mel Gibson. So if that's a deal breaker for you, Get the Gringo is not your cup of tea. If you can get past, if you can get past the Mel Gibson factor, it's a really great movie. Now, since we got that out of the way, do we just briefly mention some iconic shark movies? Do you oh. have much history with? I mean, there's Jaws, obviously, right? And Jaws has kind of set the bar for not only shark movies, but like a lot of like creature features and you know blockbuster films and whatnot. Like, yeah, it's, I mean. We don't won't go into the jaws in depth, um, pun intended, um, because we already we've I think we've talked about it and it's been talked about so much. Where jaws is like obviously the progenitor of a lot of creature features and a lot of imitators, but also it was essentially the the great grandfather of the modern blockbuster movie as we think about it today. Right, it started with jaws, and that's where we got that's where even we had the term blockbuster was Jaws, and people were lined up literally around the block to get in. So Jaws was really the big one. Um, another one that comes to mind, really good one that didn't get a lot of love a couple of years ago, The Shallows. Yeah, it was a great movie. Um, which was like surprisingly good. I went into it not really expecting a whole lot, but Blake Lively, I don't know if she's been underestimated maybe as, a, as an actor, but she did a really good job in that and it was really harrowing and it was like it was actually um i won't say realistic because there's some kind of weird stuff out there but it was like it was pretty grounded and it was like it was had some pretty poignant themes of her working through trauma and relationships with her family it was like that if you haven't checked out the shallows um <clears throat> blake lively man check that movie out it's really really good without a doubt is that 
there was a seagull in that movie. It didn't talk, did it? Or she was talking to it, it like it was alive? Yeah, it's one of those kind of human coping mechanism situations. Like yeah, yeah. The, uh, a Wilson, the Wilson factor, I think. The Wilson! Oh, the Wilson. Away? Okay, okay. <laughs> like the, 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 all right, I totally get it now. The um, Wilson factor. I, recently, I watched uh, 47 Meters Down. As yeah. well as a sequel. I haven't seen that one yet. Don't spoil it for me. I'm not going to spoil. I'm just mentioning some, okay. some Shrek movies that jumped to mind. And I've watched a few in the past couple of weeks, oddly enough. Uh, so it's good timing for for the Black Demon. Uh, Deep Blue Sea, obviously, is another big one. Deep Blue Sea. That was like late 90s, right? Yeah. That they- has the iconic scene <laughs> of Sam Jackson. <laughs> big speech. Big inspirational speech, Sock, like halfway through the movie. shark. Yeah, and it gets eaten by a shark halfway through the movie. I can't remember what the story was, whether he was unhappy with the movie or something he wanted out. So the directors or the writers like, okay, yeah, well, you'll get eaten by a shark in the middle of this inspirational speech. There was uh, open water in the early 2000s. I remember going to the theater to see that. Right. I don't know if it was as much of a shark movie as it was just like, you know, one of these weird, it was a weird film. Uh, and of course, The Meg, which is, to me, probably the biggest shark movie to come out in the past 10 years. Quite literally. <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah. And we're getting another Meg uh, sequel to that one th- at the end of the summer. So I'm, I'm pretty Meg excited too, yeah. for that with and Jason Statham. For all you geeks out there who are pointing out Megalodons aren't sharks, we, we don't actually care. I'm going <laughs> to be clear with that right now. We're counting Megalodons. They're sharks. They're just big sharks. Yo. I mean, it looks like a big shark to me. I'm just a layman, though, when it comes yeah. to sharks. He's a xenobiologist. Get a life. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But please continue listening. <laughs> <laughs> but also listening. We appreciate your support. <laughs> yeah. What else was there? Um, Honestly, I don't. When I went through a list, I didn't come out with very much. And that's the thing. Like, I don't. All the Jaws sequels, s- two through four. <laughs> which I have never seen. Have you seen any of those? I literally just. I, I, I remember watching Jaws 2 as a kid. Um, and then I literally watched three and four for the first time in January of 2023, earlier this year. Um, and it, yeah, I, I guess I could have gone my whole life without seeing them and not not miss a whole lot there, uh, yeah. to be honest. The, the thing is, I like I wanted to kind of set this up because there's not a lot of shark movies that I pulled from this list of oh, like the quintessential shark movies. You forgot th- perhaps the greatest artistic endeavor of our time sharknado well there there's definitely that <laughs> and i mean there's like eight or nine of those sequels i i actually did try and watch the first sharknado i fell asleep halfway through um yeah. i had a sunburn that day oddly enough i fell asleep and i never returned to the series um so a big uh big hole in my filmography uh my film journey there well it basically goes you could just skip from citizen kane to sharknado and you're pretty much covered for the last century of cinema You've got the history of cinema right there. Yeah, Yeah, that's it. (laughs) So I wanted to mention those movies and say there hasn't really been a lot of other notable shark movies to draw from for here. It's it's like there are other creature features that I think get a lot more play than sharks do. I know what you're thinking. Anaconda. Well, (laughs) that's another element. I actually started watching all the Lake Placid movies uh, over the past couple of months. Oh, yeah, right on. Uh, because there are actually a lot of crocodile and alligator movies out there, um, and they're they're all pretty good. Maybe I just like crocodiles. No, I don't know. Because I watched Crawl. I think you recommended Crawl to me. Yeah, yeah. And it turned. And we I watched was like, it. I was dubious, but I picked it up on Blu-ray, and you were. I think you were down at my place. And we watched it. and I was. I was blown away at how good that movie was. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's a lot of goodness there. And I'm kicking myself. I didn't wait for the 4K because now it's out on 4K. Oh, that's too bad. So now I'm going to have to upgrade that. I'm going to have to upgrade Crawl. Thanks. Yeah. No, Thanks, no problem. You'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, so basically, yeah, within my context of I haven't seen a lot of Jaws movies, a lot of shark movies, but there hasn't been a lot of notable shark movies to, to come from. We have a new shark movie here, The Black Demon. Um we both watched this, you know, in the past couple of days. Yeah. What What were your first impressions of this film? Like, what What are you walking away from here with? Well, I went in. Um, I went in with tempered expectations. I knew it wasn't going to be. Uh, it wasn't a huge blockbuster with a massive budget. So I knew that they were going to be doing what they could with their with their resources. I was looking forward to it because 
Um, Josh Lucas was a name that I recognized, solid performer. Um, the the ad that I'd seen or the trailer that I'd seen, um, actually, it did a good job of selling me on the movie. I wanted to see it. Overall, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I thought it was um, overall kind of a, I don't know if, if fun ride is is the uh, the expression here because it gets pretty heavy later on in terms of some of the character development and some of the themes, uh, which are not just heavy but also heavy handed. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I I had a good time with it overall. There was surprisingly there was a lot more substance to the character and the plot than I was actually prepared for because you you have the megalodon or the shark. The megalodon, the big shark. Okay, guys. Um, <laughs> I mean, they call him a megalodon in this movie. Yeah, they make a point of of, call, of differentiating between a shark and a megalodon, um, which irked me for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> but I mean, it wasn't the special effects weren't Asylum bad, but on a scale between Asylum and Avatar, it was somewhere closer to the Asylum. Okay, where level to scale? <laughs> In the past, I think we brought up sci-fi channel, like level of special effects. This was better than sci-fi. Okay, better than sci-fi, but not Avatar level. But I mean, I'm not sure what the next step is from sci-fi. Um, it was probably around, this, this was the level around the um, the the final fight in Black Panther. It was maybe a step above that. It was like, it was a step above, because that was like video game. That was like PS4 level graphics. So this was definitely a step yeah, above yeah. It was actually a step above some major Hollywood movies, so I gotta give her props for that. But it wasn't, it wasn't like they weren't changing the effects industry with this one. I'll put it that way. They weren't doing much with the, yeah, they're not doing much with that here. They had a limited budget, so they wisely um, focused on the on the character drama in the in the middle third of the movie. This movie had a budget of eight point five million dollars. Okay, so that's in term in Hollywood terms, that's it's really really small. It's a it's really small, really tiny budget. I honestly thought it was a smaller budget when I was watching this movie. I was kind of surprised that it was actually yeah, as yeah. high as it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking maybe Josh commands a little bit of money to be on set. I don't know. But it, this is the issue where I think why we don't get a lot of shark movies is because there's so much water involved. And you know filming in water, on water is going to be an expensive process. And I mean, here you have this oil rig set that is built probably like in a big tank, and it's just like that whole thing probably ate up so much of their money. And of course, the shark is—I'm assuming 100% CGI throughout the entire thing. Whenever be. he showed up, which was not very often, the shark was kind of non-existent throughout most of the movie. Like for me, I was really disappointed that I didn't see enough shark action here or megalodon What's action. It came for some hot shark on shark action. No, I want to see <laughs> sharks dismembering people and all i got to see here was (laughs) i know (laughs) i can't help it we do get a couple scenes where like the uh the daughter falls in the water and she sees all sorts of limbs and body parts uh which is like a psychic trick from the megalodon i think he has a hallucination i think the megalodon or the shark was placing those images in her head somehow and yeah, he did that ambiguous. a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Was I, weird... I honestly did understand at the beginning. Like, you do have to actually pay attention to some of this stuff to make it so that it makes sense later on when they kind of, they almost forget to explain stuff like that mm-hmm. later, but they do. Uh, it's just in the moment, you're like, she falls in and the body, I mean, there's body parts everywhere in the water. You're like, oh my God. And then her parents pull her out. And she's like, you know, it's, there's awfulness. And they're like, there's nothing there. But you know what? It's dark. You can't see anything. So maybe mom looking in the water real quick with the, in this high stakes situation, yeah, you're not going to see all those body parts floating around. But yeah, uh, apparently they were just never there to begin with. And there's like mental games going on here. Yeah, to be honest, that supernatural element of happens a couple times where it's like, oh, yeah, the the shark will make you see things, right? It's playing with your mind. And it's like, okay. And it like that thread's kind of dropped later in the movie, unfortunately. Yeah. Cause that was like, that was kind of interesting. Cause they kept playing with the supernatural elements and the whole idea right. of, I have to, I have to make specific reference to something here. I did not want to okay. 
and this is a good opportunity because spoiler alert spoiler alert i guess um there is one of my favorite movies sphere uh, which also takes place underwater does not feature a megalodon or anything but does feature Weak. an entity that like projects images and hallucinations into your mind uh, and there's a scene in this movie that almost has the exact same music as the jellyfish scene where I think it's Sharon Stone or no, it's Dustin Hoffman is out in the water and it's very like magical at first. All these things start like these jellyfish start like descending on him. He's like, Oh, this is really cool. But it turns like really nasty really quickly. And this one is the same thing where they're underwater and all of a sudden you see like an, an eyeball falling down and all these other body parts coming down around I think it was Josh Lucas in in the diving suit. I don't remember. Oh, and it's almost like magical yeah. at first. You're like, oh, the, the music is like, yeah. yeah. It, it, this is probably like a real deep like throw out to a movie that people haven't seen. That it was like 1998. Well, now that um, you mention it, um, I'm gonna have to watch Sphere again because oh, I forgot. It's so good. Well, I forgot Sharon Stone was in there, so I'm gonna have to rewatch that movie. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of it yeah, I don't that care movie about. was loaded that movie i mean sharon stone dustin hoffman yeah. uh leave schreiber uh peter oh coyote God. um yeah be a, it's just a fantastic cast let's get back on the we could uh, back, we'll, we'll back do, on track here. we're gonna do a special episode about sphere now uh, it's, it's been decided by by the fates thank god <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in any event that that scene really called out to be there i think there was okay, that's cool i think there were a couple specific like lines from jaws that were in this as well when he's yeah. uh i got no spit ha- yeah that's the one yes yes yeah that was like that was direct line from jaws i was like oh that's really cool it's esoteric enough where it's like not in your face but it's distinct enough like if you're a fan yeah. of jaws you'd pick it up immediately right i just wish uh this was a better movie in general. That's yeah, I get that, man. Like there was, it was a really cool concept, lay, right? Yeah, they laid the the groundwork. They had a good foundation of something really neat. But like right from the get go, it was just the whole beginning of the movie where he's bringing his family into Mexico into this town that he says like his oil company essentially built because they have the oil rig just offshore, and the town is in like it's in ruins. It's it's not doing well. And immediately, like, all the locals are super hostile. And it really turned when he goes out on a boat to the rig and his family's left behind. And, like, the locals are just, like, super creeps. Like, they're hitting on their 13-year-old daughter. It was just like, what is going on here? Why are you why are they depicting these locals like this? Do they have to be evil? I thought there was a Megalodon that is the villain of this movie. Why do we need to villainize the locals here yeah there's a lot of good and a lot of questionable um in the movie that's the thing that there were some really bright spots like that whole opening with the family dynamic i thought was done really well all the actors were really good and as you go through the movie you see i like how they play with that dynamic where it's like oh mom and dad are like in the beginning it's like oh mom and dad are playful and they're joking around with each other and and then later on it's like oh mom and dad have another one of their fights it's like okay that that kind of rings true where it's like yeah you have those moments of like yeah sometimes mom, mom and dad are happy and the family's getting along but that's like oh yeah of course like any couple they're gonna have fighting and to see that from the kids perspective and, yeah. and to, to, to show how kids are savvy and they pick up on that even when you think that you've you know we were quiet when we were fighting or whatever we're like they didn't see our disagreements it's like no they picked up on it pretty yeah pretty easily right it's like that, that family dynamic i think played out really well i'm um, giving props to the um, played his wife there, the actor. Um, who was it? Fernanda Yurejola? Probably butchering that name. But she was really good in this as well. I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I don't think I've seen her in anything else. But she did a bang-up job. Her and Josh Lucas are playing a believable couple. I thought that was really good. But what you were saying about that whole... After that, that setup when they got to the village... And alarm bells were going off left, right, and center. It's like, oh, this is dilapidated. Everyone's giving us the side eye. They're giving us the stink eye. You're getting huge vibes. Like, you or I or any other normal person in that circumstance, we're just like, oh, yeah, kids, get back in the car. We're turning around and leaving. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, any any normal person, like, especially after that, they were talking to the dude, asking for, like, the dude in the cowboy hat. And, like, oh, we're like, no, is there a restaurant nearby? What happened to the town? He's being super hostile. It's clear they don't like these people. It's like, yeah, honey. We got our kids here for the safety, for the sake of our safety of our kids. We're leaving this place right now. You can tell your work to go to heck. 
Yeah, right. And that's why they were there. This wasn't like that description earlier said they were on a family vacation. It was not a vacation. They were he was going down because he's like an oil rig inspector working for this uh, big oil company, and he has to go inspect this this yeah. oil rig. And he goes down because he's just going to be down like working for two or three hours, I guess. So he figured, oh, I may as well bring my family with me this time for a nice little trip. And yeah. it was it was so brutal because it was like, oh, you know, I'm getting pressure. I got to go out right away. I'm only going to be about three hours inspecting this oil rig, which seems suspect to begin with, and leaves his family at this restaurant. And within minutes, their tires are slashed. Like there's knives coming out of their tires. Like <laughs> this family, like as for, this is a horror movie. I'm like, this family's going to get murdered out here. It was just so, it was just like, it was brutal. It's like, he did not pick up on any of the sides. And he was so arrogant at the beginning too, because he's literally giving money to everybody. He's giving money to the, uh, the bartender at the restaurant. It's like, keep an eye on my family for me, please. And just slips him some cash. Like he could just buy everybody off. Right. And, yeah, um, kind of. It's also a different, uh, different culture in Mexico, right? Mm-hmm. If they immediately turn on him. Yeah. Well, the bartender didn't. He just didn't step in. But yeah, uh, yeah. Nobody, nobody seemed to care that he was. Well, it, they did care that he was there, but not in the way that he he thought they yeah. did. Yeah, <laughs> that thought he would. <laughs> Oh my goodness! If he goes out and inspects the rig, and there's only two people alive on this thing, there's there was a little bit of it, like the first scene. I can't remember it exactly, but there was a little bit of a shark action. Um, obviously, the the family gets out onto the rig as well, just to like raise the stakes and have them all together. And um, it's just some general mayhem. But man, this movie—I mean, for me, it was probably twenty minutes too long. Uh, there wasn't. <laughs> Which twenty, <laughs> right? In you the middle, had a lot I of minutes. You had a lot of minutes to choose from to like to <laughs> oh, pair wow. this thing. There was not enough shark. I said before, there's not enough shark action here. It's like we get to see the megalodon literally eat a boat as it's driving away. It's like that was, that was pretty a cool, cool shot too. When he jumps out of the water, and it's almost like silhouetted by the sun. And it's like, oh, that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool, like shot as well. Yeah, and you can tell, like like you said, there's some bright spots there where they had some good ideas. But they just couldn't really pull up. I mean, that the whole scene was good. It was a good scene. And they just don't feature the shark anymore. Yeah, you, you can really feel that lack of budget uh, with with the shark. I mean, you don't have to show the shark all the time. But at least you have to have the presence felt to some degree, right? Like in Jaws, legendarily, the mechanical shark wouldn't work. So they had to limit how much of the shark they could show which worked out to the benefit, but they were still, they were showing like the fin moving through the water. Like they were showing the carnage and there was this presence, this, like the shark was, it was like, it was there, even when it wasn't it was like the, the specter yeah. of this shark was hanging over the proceedings and what was going on. And you, you didn't get the same, that same sense that the shark was ever present. Right. Every once in a while they would do like, I think they reused the same shot a bunch of times of the, sh- of the, of the shark or the megalodon uh, ramming into this, the superstructure below the water there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure like that was almost uh sci-fi or asylum ask, whereas it's like the same shot and they I think they revert literally just like reversed it. And <laughs> it come back the other way, but it's like literally mirrored. Love it. It's like Yeah, it's like honestly, to to be fair, it's like, yeah, they they probably did not have like they probably ran out of budget to do the special effects there. And you like you said, like, yeah, you definitely feel that, especially that middle third of the movie. You definitely feel that lack of shark there. Well, it was definitely, uh, sorry, it was also this thing where we see initially the the shark eating the boat. And when they're running away from the shark or swimming away from it, I should say, and they're like literally six inches above water on the little platform on the oil rig, all of a sudden they're, they're all perfectly safe and they all just lay there catching their breath. I'm like, guys, you are not safe. This thing should come up and eat this little platform directly out from underneath your feet here like what what is going because they literally had another boat in the same area and the boat within minutes gets thrashed and and sunken and i'm like you can't tell me this thing can't jump out of the water it's 48 feet long it's funny every time they show those shots and they roll up like you're saying they're six inches out of the water i'm like i was i was absolutely certain they were setting up for one of them to get eaten like that right there was one shot specifically where uh the the little boy was in the water the mom dives in and the way the camera was angled, and it, w- it was angled such a way that you were looking directly down at the mom. Uh, yeah. She has the kid out, but she, like, for all I could t- 
tell in the shot. Her feet might still be in the water. I can't tell. Yeah. But I'm thinking 100%, this is... <laughs> This is a giant shark mouth coming out of the water, clomping down, biting her in half, and taking half the uh, the platform with her. And no, we just cut to the next scene. As like well, they they don't have the the gall to do these scenes or maybe the budget to do this stuff. But it's like mom still has to live, I guess. They bit the other dude in half. Was that not enough half bitten humans for you? That was only one. There's only one. <laughs> now, granted, we did get the scene. Josh Lucas lifts the first half of him up in the air, and I did like that. That was good. But it's a pretty cool yeah. bit of gore. Yeah, I mean, that's literally the only guy in that entire group who dies is save for you know the dad sacrifice himself in a Josh explosion later on. Yeah. Okay, but what I will say is for that that middle part of the movie, there was in addition to the survival drama. And the escape drama and the trying to figure out is like, is this just like, you know, a released, you know, the, like some creature that managed to survive all these centuries? Or is it the wrath of this god, Tleilak, who is like yeah. know, getting revenge on the environment, essentially getting revenge on humankind for abusing it? And they do that montage of like the forest fires burning and the oil refineries and everything. It's like that was a, it was a, it was an, it's an important message. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, we climate change is probably the most important existential crisis our species is facing right now. Uh, the way they did it was not subtle at all in terms of filmmaking. You know what? I, I had to check my nose after watching that to make sure it wasn't broken from being <laughs> hit in the face with that message, honestly. <laughs> okay. That was it was obvious. The environmental messages in the movie were very, very obvious. You're dealing with an oil rig. Yeah. Ob, you know, and obvious environmental implications. But that middle part of the movie, I was really surprised how much they went when it was revealed that um, Paul, the main character played by Josh Lucas, he was this like uh, his wife Inez found um, a bunch of safety reports, and it was that thing you've seen it before. It was like, oh yeah, all this, everything was unsafe, and but the safety inspector signs off and says, oh yeah, we can still work on this, and she sees the signature at the end. It's her, it's her husband's signature it's paul's signature and she goes to confront him about it and you realize oh he's been down here he's been signing off for years on these unsafe hazardous conditions where the things people been dying the thing's been leaking oil and he's been signing off on it and i was like oh this is i thought they were going to sign it away he's like oh no he's, it wasn't his signature or something's like no he actually did it i was like oh this is a really interesting dramatic turn and then he explains to the other gentleman one of the two survivors they find there He's like, you know, I was young, just starting off in the job. And like, I came back with my first report and told him, I was like, and he told the execs at, I think it was Nixon Oil. Again, a pretty unsubtle uh, naming convention there. I don't, know if, I, don't, I don't think it's an actual real oil company, but like Nixon Oil is like, yeah, that's a pretty villainous name. Um, and he says, I, I gave them the, gave the executives my first report recommending, like, oh, here's all these safety things. Like, we got to either, you know, address these or this rig has to get shut down. And they came back to him and was like, um, maybe you could, with some suggestions, maybe you could re amend this report uh, so that yeah. uh, the safety stuff's, um, you know, like, this isn't that bad and that's not that bad. And he's like pushed back. He's like, well, if you won't sign it, we'll get somebody else to sign it. And he's like, oh. So he felt kind of coerced as a young man to do this. Um, and so he kind of, he towed the company line, did things he knew were immoral um, because he figured it's like, I got to, I got to get paid. I got to feed my family. Um, but then at the end, it's, it's also revealed that the reason he was being sent out there in such a hurry was because the company had planted explosives on the rig. So they were essentially closing the loop, right? It was like that. Yeah. Remember in, in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country? Like, this line stuck with me always. The first rule of assassination, kill the assassin, right? <laughs> so you, it's about closing the loop, right? You... Uh, um, they had all the signatures on it, so he's like the patsy, the fall guy. And if he's yeah. dead, he's not there to defend it or come out with, or to, to you know, in the media to defend it. So like, it goes to some pretty crazy, dark places. But like, there's some, there's some real ambition with the character development there to let the character be. Here's this character we thought was like the virtuous, you know, protagonist. It was like, no, he's he's actually flawed, and he has some actual. Um, challenges and issues in his past that he has to overcome, right? I thought that was like a really ballsy move. And like to me, like that was an unexpected 
level of depth to this movie that I that uh, that really helps redeem it from some of the uh, lack of uh, shark killings. You know what was really ballsy is the team of people from Nixon Oil managing to avoid the megalodon and plant explosives at the base of this oil rig just at the right like because obviously this thing's been around for a long time like how are these explosives down there i don't or do they build them with it like pre-built in, in into the support structure well that was the whole opening scene was that the scene those two oh, guys those were, were going the, down oh, okay planning the explosives i think it was like 26 hours or something and by the time they get there, there's like two and a half hours oh, left. Jeez, you know, I totally miss. Like, I didn't miss the intro <laughs> scene, but I was like, I was an arm, arm deep into ketchup flavored popcorn and like a cold <laughs> soda at the beginning of this movie. And I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but I I need to see more sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they were at the beginning. They were planning the explosives, and we don't know why until until Josh Lucas's character Paul realizes, oh, the reason they were out here, the reason like. He told the guy at the Harbor to radio ahead, and it showed, like, oh, he didn't radio. The radio was yeah, broken, yeah. so he couldn't go through anyway. Everyone was in on it. It's like, oh, yeah. The, oh, so want... the townspeople were in on it? A couple of them were, right? The, Is that why they the... were going to kill the his family? Maybe that's why, to close the loop, maybe, right? But, but there were some, it seemed like, I don't know if the town was in on it. The com- It was the company who was doing this, right? Because the town, yeah. at the end, you see... A bunch of the townsfolk go and save the family. So, like, I the think cowboy that town, guy, yeah, yeah. I think the town was divided. It was just like a regular town where, like, sure, there's some there's some jerks there, but there's also some good people there. So, I don't think yeah. they were in on it. I think it was Nixon Oil specifically was like, oh, we knew that this was a huge disaster waiting to happen. We had this guy's signature on it. If he's dead, um, when things come out, I was like, oh, this guy, we can just like lay all the blame on him, and he's not around to defend himself. Nobody knows what actually happened then, right? Yeah, so yeah. It's, because the um, the guy running pretty you know, oily, oily company. <laughs> because the guy running the Nixon like shuttle to go out to the oil rig, like he just takes him down the coast for like two minutes, and be like, "You're on your own, buddy." And it's like he must not have been in on it, or else he would have orders to no, actually like drive he, him out there. He's the one who at the end shows up. He gets his courage at the end when, he, yeah, when yeah. they finally repair the radio, and he takes uh, the cowboy. So hat he's man not out in there. on the killing. Like he was an, an actual good person, just. Try to save his own life. At the yeah, beginning. yeah. Nobody, nobody in the village except for the harbor master. I think the harbor master, I think, specifically had orders because he was, he was in contact with Nixon Oil, right? So like all most of the people there, they weren't in on it. It was Nixon. Nixon Oil was essentially the villain the whole time. They were, they were running the oil rig. They were running it unsafely. They were getting this guy to, yeah. essentially, he was the Homer Simpson of, um, the oil rig here, where he was the safety inspector who didn't know what he was doing or didn't care. He um, didn't know what he was doing though. Yeah. He was competent. I'm just, he, he just, he was a company man who just like, he did what he was told. He was a corporate lackey. I, I got the impression that he was paid a lot of money because he mentioned like securing like a, a good life for his family. And yeah. I picture, you know, like 15 years ago, he started doing this and he got paid a lot of money from the executives to keep his mouth shut because otherwise hush money. Yeah. Hush buddy, because I have a note here when the, this was like first developing, I took a note of like, what what would be his motivation be for signing the reports falsely? And it's just like, oh, I see. Maybe the dude should have just went to a different job or something or no, they became talk- a whistleblower. No, he talked about, I think he mentioned, I was like, oh, we were just starting our family at the time. We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of money. And it's like, yeah, it was, it was the money. It was pure and simple. Again, the social commentary in this is not super subtle. It's companies doing evil stuff. And people going along with doing evil stuff because they're getting paid lots of money, right? It's all about the bottom line, right? And drawing that line between evil oil companies and people making money off of it and being complacent because of that money, I think, like, yeah, that's super, super obvious kind of in-your-face message. It's a message that needs to get out there, um, but it's it's also um, not super subtle either, right? Can I ask you a question? You just did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta ask another one here. <laughs> so I'm in dad joke mode, apparently. The dad jokes are <laughs> out of full force. All right, um, I've almost lost my train of thought here. Um, is there another way to kill a giant shark than explosives? Does such a method exist? Um, I guess with enough force applied at any point, right? You get uh, 
big harpoon in the eye, get try to get to the brain, maybe. I guess because like you think there's an ocular cavity, right, with the eye. That's why I specifically picked out the eye because the ocular cavity. That's where you could get yeah. probably get up into the brain with some kind of harpoon if you got a really good shot. Um, any kind of large ordinance, I would think. I mean, you get a fifty caliber. If it's above water and you got a fifty cal, you probably tear it a new blowhole at some you know at some point. And, Sharks and don't have blowholes. <laughs> well, they will after the fifty cal. I guess they will. Yeah, they'll have many. <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things where it's just like man, Jaws. Obviously, they blow it up, and I think in the bag they blow it up as well. well I in, feel like in, in all the shark movies I watch, they have to blow sharks no, up. In, in Jaws two, the revenge, the shark shark gets electrocuted. Um. Oh, that's right. Another one of the Jaws movies, I think he gets uh, rammed with a boat and like stabbed through with like a broken kind of mizzen mast. Um, so you can you can stab her. I mean, if you if you get it, if you can like uh, if you can go fishing with it, if you can get a big enough rig and fish with it and haul it out on land, it'll it'll uh, suffocate, right? Out of yeah, water. It will definitely suffocate out there, yeah. Yeah, so you get into some, or lure it into some waterway and some some channel, like the locks, and the Kingston locks. You lure it up there, and then you drain out the locks so there's no water in there. No problem. Yeah, there you go. If it was set in Kingston, Ontario. There's locks all over the world. We could do, we could do set done. this up, yeah. Yeah, down in the uh, Panama Canal. You lure, lure them into the Panama Canal. <laughs> Got them. Yeah, then just drain it, and we are good to go. Yeah. Get rid of all the sharks. Piece of cake. What else can or you the do? the Me- Megalodons, I guess. Because this thing was huge, right? Like, it was massive. I did enjoy that final shot, even with the, you know, the 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 tropey ex- explosives to blow up the shark. That was fine, because the shark, like, swallows him whole, and then, boom, he blows up from the inside. I'm f- fine with that sort of thing. Again, I was really... Maybe it's... Maybe I'm just bitter, because I watched Shazam! Fury of the Gods... Uh, recently and I was just so off put by their like they I don't want to I don't want to spoil that in this completely separate podcast yeah yeah but there's a specific character who sacrifices themselves in that movie and I thought for one brief shining moment they were going to let that sacrifice stand on its own but no they bring that character back to life at the end so it's all meaningless and this one is like no they actually let the character like he there's a plan and like Paul um the father it's like no we're gonna do this and i'm gonna meet you up afterwards and then he calls him on the radio and is like okay um yeah i just want to say goodbye to everybody and she's like what are you, what are you doing what, this isn't the plan and he's like yeah this was always the plan we were never like the plan i told you was essentially never gonna work like the plan was always for me to sacrifice myself with the bomb essentially he's kind of making up for his past mistakes of signing off and all the terrible terrible safety reports <laughs> That no undoubtedly caused um, untold ecological disaster because the rig is leaking when they get there. <laughs> There's oil all over the place, and you know dozens of men to lose their lives. Um, I can't believe they never set the oil on fire. Like the entire area is covered in oil. I thought that's what they were going with with the flare guns yeah. and everything, right? It was like, yeah. I thought they, they kept they kept showing it. It was like, uh, what is it? The Chekhov's gun, but this Chekhov this Chekhov's gun did. I guess it misfired, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> But it was a nice little character arc where it's like, okay, this guy, they let him have a sacrifice. They let him be an imperfect character. And then, like, they let the char- the family grieve the father and shows, like, oh, his his sacrifice wasn't for nothing. They got those safety reports off of the – they took the safety reports with them in his backpack. There were some nice little touches, too, where, like, they put the safety reports in a Ziploc bag. Because I was like, oh, they're, they're putting it in just in his oh, backpack. They're going to okay. get wet. But he pulls out. It's like – there was some actual real thought put in the details of this movie. It's like, yeah, of course, if you're going to go out in the ocean with documents, you put them in something that's going to yeah, keep yeah. them keep the moisture out. But I thought I was curious why the documents were even on the oil rig to begin with. But I guess if they're planted there, it makes sense. I feel like I didn't pay attention for a lot of this movie, and uh, maybe I should have. No, to to be fair, I I was more engaged with this. But I can completely understand this was this is not exactly Spielberg we're talking about. I'm I'm I don't want to be insulting to the people involved. Um, this is not exactly Spielberg level filmmaking we're involved with. Um, so it's not. I don't think it's engaging. I don't think it's. I don't think this is connecting with larger audiences. I've been looking at some of the scores um, that that some uh, some of the websites have been giving this, and I was like, yeah, that that kind of tracks. I mean, this yeah. Is, this is not d- redefining the genre or, or, or creating a new genre. Um, 
I'm, I'm not going to give you grief for tuning out of this one. Um, I was, I was more engaged, I think, than a lot of people were. Um, I don't know what this film clicked with me in a lot of ways, and I think it's not going to click with general audiences. And I, on the other hand, I completely understand why it's not going to click. Did you? Um, I mean, this seems like a good time to talk about our actual ratings because you brought up ratings around the, around the world. There. Uh, do you have anything else to around add before we do jump into ratings, though? Um, no, I think uh, I think there was there was a lost opportunity. I think they kept playing around with this idea of the Aztec gods and like this was yeah this was a curse from the gods and there was some ambiguity there and I like that, but I wish they would have played up more, played with that more because by the ending is like oh was it supernatural was it um you know from a vengeful aztec god because we've been destroying the planet and if so like what does it mean to blow that up then it's like oh we're so i don't know like the the meanings kind of get muddled at the end uh, otherwise like throughout the film like the environmental messages and the social messages were so clear but then that ending is kind of so kind of muddled in terms of how it wraps up the messaging i don't know well, it was uh, interesting because the at one point the shark seems to have the ability to like project those fears into people's minds, right? And you're yeah. thinking this is like a supernatural being, and so blowing it up is probably just like a way for this guy. Like this guy was supposed to die either through the corporation or the megalodon was going to do it because the megalodon is like, oh, he signed the reports, he's responsible. Maybe it's not aware of the. Uh, corporate structure on why he may or you know motivations to do that but you're like either way it sort of gets its wish but on the same side this corporation probably has a dozen other platforms in the same area are those going to go punished as well and it's like they probably could have got a bit further with that like i wanted to see an exposure on the company and like see it like you know fall out of business or like oh my god here's a right. news report of like this company is being shut down and this whole area is like safer now because of this incident at this specific oil rig now the the knowledge is known well right? they're gonna save that for the sequel where the greek gods send a giant octopus oh. to get another oil rig and then maybe the norse guard Norse gods are going to send a giant sea serpent to get another oil rig. So, well, maybe we can have the whole extended um, Black Demon cinematic universe where, like, different pantheons of gods are sending different destroyers. They pick their champion to go and uh, destroy different oil rigs and uh, bring down the oil companies and the coal companies. <laughs> Zeus just, Amazing. <laughs> Zeus just starts Amazing. firing lightning bolts at the next coal, the coal plants. I don't know. <laughs> Since the cyclops, cyclops goes after the coal. There you go. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, let's get into ratings here. I guess <laughs> um, we use the letterboxed uh, rating system. We have five stars with a possible like in the form of a heart uh, for for those special movies. I, I guess you could say. Um, what is your rating? Where do you land on the uh, the old five star scale? <laughs> um, you. I think we're going to be off on this one. I didn't rate it super high, but I gave it initially a three out of five. Three out of five. <laughs> wow. Okay. I know. I thought I thought there was a spark of something in there better. I might end up on an, another watch um, closer to the 2.5 star. There's mark. no way you could watch this again. All <laughs> right. I'm buying it on 4K when it comes out. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, maybe it'll get a 4K. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, that's a good question. I mean, would you buy this on disc? What's the pr price you would pay for this on disc? I don't know, five dollars, seven dollars to the bargain bin. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not rushing out to buy this movie, but I, uh, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the character developments. I appreciate where this movie had the guts to go through on some plot points that a lot of blockbusters I've seen were. They want to have their cake and eat it too. And this movie is like, no, like he, here's a flawed character. This character is going to sacrifice themselves. And you know, like there's meaning that comes out of that. And there's, there's a respect for the characters that in a lot of recent big budget blockbusters that I haven't, I haven't seen that same um, level of respect for the story and the theme and the characters. Um, I also haven't seen guardians of the galaxy three yet. I'm told that's pretty amazing character wise, but uh um, from what I've seen so far this year, this movie had a lot of hearts. Put it that way. What, what's your rating, Brian? I'm 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 going to predict 
then it's going to be at least a star lower than mine. At least a star, yeah. I think you just take your stars and cut them in half, and you got my star rating. <laughs> I'm go. giving this movie a 1.5. 1.5? That's kind of harsh. Come on. Come on. Here's, but have you heard, hear my argument, though? Come on. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty compelling argument. <laughs> Honestly, go. when I first finished watching this movie, I was like, that was a one star. This is probably the worst movie I'm going to see this year. Oh. Uh, but then I raised up to, you know, I thought about it a little more. I was like, one and a half is, is, is actually pretty respectable. Um, uh, here's here's the th- here's a list of things, which is probably, I mean, I've said it before, and I'll, I'll keep harping this. There's very little actual shark action here. I, I needed more. I just... I need more survivors on the oil rig to get dismembered, shoot up, whatever. I don't know. the The dialogue for me was pretty poor. I was laughing at one scene where the where his wife was telling him something. It was, the delivery was not great. I didn't think the acting was was great here either. Uh, oh really? The, the melodrama was a little too much for me sometimes. But ultimately, like the movie, I f- felt like it took itself too seriously. Especially with that heavy-handed like environmentalism montage that we got hit with uh, halfway through. Yeah, yeah. but I think it's also my frame of mind. It's like honestly, just previous to this, I'd watched Forty Seven Meters Down, Uncaged, and I was like, "This is a silly, like well done (laughs) shark movie that's not very good." Like that was probably a two star movie for me. And then I watched this as like, "This is not as good as that," and I can't rate Uncaged higher. And as like I'm stuck in a hierarchy of shark movie ratings all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean I will say the one thing the poster was rad, one of the best posters I've seen this year. Like the, it looks awesome, and it I mean you if you see the right poster, this is like uh, there's like a, somebody swimming out in front, but they're absolutely dwarfed by the giant shark, his huge nose, these massive teeth of it, like the oil ray kind of like exploding in the distance is like. That poster screams so much fun to me, and the movie we got was was pretty different from that. Yeah, I will say I'm not trying to convince you otherwise, yeah. but in terms of like how melodramatic it felt at times, I thought that that kind of fit because it was it was filmed in I think Dominican Republic, but the story takes place in Mexico. And if you look at some of their cinema or some of their I guess telenovelas, there's a certain melodrama to Mexican television, mm-hmm. Mexican cinema. So I thought. That, that kind of so almost fair. that almost fit the setting almost. I thought that I thought that was yeah, a little yeah. bit intentional, where like the some of the melodramatic acting and the melodramatic beats kind of fit more with that Mexico um, aesthetic or Mexican aesthetic um, in t- terms of um, TV and cinema. But that that could just be me reading onto that. Um, I don't know. I just that, for that some, would make sense. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I want it's not really a negative of the movie, but like one of those weird things. The the young boy, I don't know, how old is this kid? Like 10, 11 maybe? I don't know, I don't something know. like that. He makes a Friends TV series reference. Okay? He mentions Ross and Rachel <laughs> at one point to his sister. And I'm thinking, this is 2023, guys. The Friends show ended almost 20 years ago, probably more yeah. than 20 years ago. How do young people even understand so, this reference? So maybe it's a difference because my kids are... At- almost the exact same ages as the kids in this movie, yeah. um, like 15 and 12. I can't remember. The kids are like 16 and 11 or something in the movie. It's crazy. The weird pop culture or random pop culture references there they'll come up against, especially yeah. because for example, my wife um, did a rewatch of one tree Hill and my daughter watched this and loved it. So it's like they were making like, they would make one tree Hill references. <laughs> and that's a, that's a show that's uh, yeah, over yeah. a decade off the air. So for them to have, make that Friends reference is like, oh, that's exactly the kind of random reference they would make because they probably watched Friends with their parents. And it's yeah. such, it's such, that's such an ingrained meme now. It's like, we were on a break. It's like that kind of transcended the show it a little bit. It didn't seem like a, a good suggestion of like of their family life. Like they have a nice family. They're watching yeah. all sitcoms together. So, so to me, that little thing is like, would kids know about Ross and Rachel? Actually, absolutely, because the, their parents yeah. are probably watching – those are little details that I actually liked where it's like, Oh yeah, the Ross and Rachel thing didn't seem jarring to me because of we're sharing, we're sharing our TV shows with our kids now. And it's like, yeah, they would get those references. It's it's, yeah, yeah. it's like almost like the cyclical nature of pop culture where like what's old becomes new again. Right. Where you get yeah. 
with fashion or with movies or with art. So that that kind of rang true to me. But I can absolutely see how it might be jarring um, as well. I can see both points. I can see both points of view. I'm like Obi Wan Kenobi in that way, it's man. <laughs> it's all it's all true from a certain point of view. The the other line I wanted probably the best line in the movie for me was the same kid. Uh, he burns his sister. What did, I can't remember the exact quote. I should have wrote down, but he's like, the only pirate you know is at the bottom of a bottle of Captain Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, again, this kid. And I love Josh Lucas, the father of this movie. Like, he turns to him. He's just like, he's grinning. Like, he is. It's like, yeah. how do you know about Captain Morgan? Right. And I think that's probably why the Fred's reference kind of caught me later on. It's like, oh, this kid is like, he's picking up on stuff. And they do show him picking up on like the well, Aztec uh, mythology and like legends throughout the movie as well. Like, where everyone else is kind of like staying oblivious. Yeah. There but was a that was a killer line. Getting back to his roots, but also was like, that's another thing that rang true to me, the family dynamic. It's like kids are always listening and they will pick up on everything. So like you got to be really careful, especially they're, they're, they hit a certain age and they become sponges. So like, yeah, they're, they're hearing about stuff and it sticks with them. And you got to have, there's a, all kinds of sometimes awkward conversations you got to have with your kids before you thought they were at the point where you're going to have those conversations. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that rang true as well. Like the family dynamic in this really worked for me. That was one of the things like it felt really true to life and it felt like a really fully fleshed out uh, uh, family. So we have to, as tradition, we talk about ratings around the internet here. Uh, I, I know you mentioned you were looking at some stuff earlier. I hope you didn't spoil yourself because you got to play along here as well at home. If you're listening, take a guess at the Ron Tomato critic rating on the, on this film, The Black I'm Demon. I'm going to guess randomly a 3.6. All right, this is the percentage, the 0 to 100. Oh, 36 then. I'll say 36%. 36%. No, you're way too high. It is 12%. 12% uh, only? Oh, man. 12, this People is, did hate this thing. <laughs> the, the critics there, for sure, but audience rating might tell a different story. What do you think the percent on that is? 48%. Oh, 71. Try that one on. So I think people did find something to connect with here. Wait, I was I was actually in, in the majority this time? <laughs> <laughs> sort of right but rotten tomatoes is different though right because like 71 percent, but that could all be like 51 yeah a rating exactly. of 51 percent, right 71 percent of audiences were generally favorable to the film yeah it a 50 so the, or higher I, rotten tomatoes is kind of not yeah sorry no i mean wrong. you could derive like box office out of this because usually like even if a movie does poorly critic wise if it's a banger at the box office audiences are loving it this movie had 8.5 million dollar budget the total worldwide box office was $2.3 million. Yeah. Uh, which, so That's this is a shame. We're, we're probably not getting any sequels out of this, but we have to talk about IMDb. They use 10, 10 point scale. Now, uh, what's your IMDb? Uh, let's see. Guess. I don't know. 2.2, 2.3. That's too low. Your first. I think your first thought there before was correct with a 36 or 3.6 oh, because it is 3.6 on IMDb. Oh, is it 3.6 on IMDb? <laughs> okay. And Letterbox, as we know, uses five five uh, stars. What's its average rating right now? Two. It's a 1.7. 1.7, okay. And uh, I imagine this is a fairly new movie to uh, streaming, video on demand. It had a theatrical release April 28th. I never saw it advertised locally here, so I think it was pretty limited. No. May 30th, it comes out on digital, so that's you know, four weeks later, it's out. And so I imagine over the, I mean, we're filming, we're, filming, we're recording we're this filming. pretty early on from that time. So it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if more and more people do see this. And maybe it gets a little bit of legs in the long, in the long run. But um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at with the Black Demon. Any other uh, final comments before we... Uh, we, we swim away from this film. <laughs> like, I, I was trying to think of something smarter. I can't. That was kind of it. No, I mean, I think it is what it is. It's, I'm not going to argue that this is uh, some great work of cinema. If you're looking for um, a fun little shark movie um, that's got a little bit of teeth to it, um, you could do worse than You could Black definitely Demon. do a lot worse. Yeah. Um, but you could also do a, a lot better as well. This is... For me, it's kind of middle of the road in terms of shark movies. Um, it's not 
changed my life in any way. Um, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Brad, I think you alluded to, am I going to go back and revisit this right away? I might never watch this again as long as I live. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not clamoring to go back and watch it, but I had a good enough time with it. You know what? If I'm doing like a shark project, you know, five, 10 years down the road where I'm going through all the Jaws, all the Meg movies that come out inevitably is like yeah. all these little one-offs. <laughs> I could see revisiting this one um, just for that reason. Sure. Um, and it wasn't too long. Nice I, I know feature. I could probably... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so sure. there, there we go. But if you, you want to go through a list of creature features, put the Black Demon on your list. I think you'll... Uh, it's a perfect... I think we've coined the phrase before. We haven't coined the phrase. I think uh, it's a nice uh, Sunday afternoon movie. Throw it on in the background. Go. You don't have to pay too much attention. Um, we know Brian didn't, and uh, yeah, you get you get one one point five stars worth of enjoyment out of it. There you go. <laughs> Three stars enjoyment if you pay attention. <laughs> Bad. I, I, I think that might still be a stretch, but you know what? There is stuff to get out of this movie, so for sure, have at it. Yeah.